That's good. That's good. Well, you may be seated. As my mother explained, I'm uh, the third child from the Reverend Dr. Stanley O. Scott. And uh, I'll be here delivering what I believe God told me to tell you today. Um, but as she also mentioned, the best thing that ever happened to me was my wife. Can you stand up, please, let everybody see how lovely you are? Glory to your name. Hallelujah. That's God's best for my life right there. Shoot. <laughs> yes. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray first and ask God to give me a hand here. And I'm going to give him control of this thing, and then we'll get started. I'm glad the youth can stay in because I want y'all to hear this, too. So good to see my kids. Man, I miss them. Um, so by your hands, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us, for being our father, for being our father's father, for being our spiritual father, and for sending us a natural father for those of us who don't have one, our pastor father in the name of Jesus. And bless this message. I pray that you increase and I decrease so that I can deliver what it is that you have for your people to know and hear through your spirit that dwells and lives big on the inside of me. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 So, <clears throat> um, okay, it's 11.43. So at about 3.30, y'all just say, hey, we need to wrap it up. <laughs> and then I'll just bring this thing to a close. Um, so today is Father's Day. And... Um, Father's Day is totally different than Mother's Day for a lot of different reasons. Um, and it's going to be my job to express what I feel God wants us to know about a different way of looking at Father's Day. Um, so the title is Father or Not, W-Y-D. So, W-Y-D. You know how you text? What you doing? You know. So, father or not. So, whether or not you had a father, whether or not. Well, we all have fathers. All of us didn't have a dad. Um, so, we're going to talk about that. And so, father or not, whether you had a father or not, what are you doing with your life? Um, I was absolutely blessed, tremendously blessed. Uh, my parents were married 50 years. I mean, that's amazing, especially in today's time. Um, so um, open up your hearts and put your feelings next to you on the seat so we don't stir them up and just hear what it is that the Lord wants you to know. Um, so most of us here are black, except for a couple of people. Um, but, you know, we have to acknowledge the history of our race, our culture, and why things are the way that they are. You know, um, you know, it's arguable. I don't know if that's a word. Is that a word? 
it's arguable that in my, well, my opinion is arguable that black people are probably the most American race and culture in the United States. So when you see all these flags, really we're the product of being 100% American because we were stripped of our culture and our traditions and our language. You know, I live in Houston now and it's shocking to me. I've been here a week, ain't heard one word of Spanish. In Houston, it's Spanish all day, every day, you know. Um, and, but, you know, we don't have a second language unless we went to school and learned it. But our parents didn't teach us a second language as the one that they were taught, you know. <laughs> we use a second language, but it's, it's from a different... <laughs> We're not supposed to. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. What was y'all thinking? <laughs> so, um, so, so, so being who we are, black in America, um, our patriotical structure has been destroyed. And so in these few years that we've had, with some rights, we've had to rebuild it. Some of us have taken advantage of it, some of us haven't. You know, I mean, just a few years ago, we couldn't go to school. We couldn't go in certain restaurants. We couldn't have decent jobs. And then people fought and died for it. Then we gained the opportunity to have them, but then now, for some, I mean, like 20 years we went up, and now for the last 20 years, things have changed. And it's like some of us don't want the job. Some of us don't want the vote. Some of us don't want the right to bank and drink, you know, water from the same fountain. Um, and I honestly believe that it, ha it is a result of the destruction of our patriarchal structure. So when it comes to Father's Day, I mean, if you look at the NFL draft, the NBA draft, on one side, you got a lot of the black players sitting with their mothers. Then on the other side, you got a lot of the white or Caucasian players sitting with their fathers. You know, and again, you know, it's, it's, it's a result of what has happened. Um, God's plan, God's purpose, for the family, if you look in Genesis, and I mean, I only got like four or five hours, so I can't explain the whole thing, so we're just gonna have to run through it. Um, God made the Garden of Eden, and then he made Adam, and then he gave him the Garden of Eden. So for all intents and purposes, let's look at the Garden of Eden as a business. Because this is what it was. He said, you need to dress and keep it. And so God's plan for men is to have a business. Now, you can help somebody else with theirs until you get your own. Or you can help somebody else's and that business is yours. But some process, some structure of creating revenue to provide for your family is what God's plan is for every single man. 
Then, once that is in place, the woman showed up. Now, this is God's plan. Man, business, woman, and then children. <laughs> Today, it's a little bit different. A tad bit different. It's kind of backwards. And we never reached the business part. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, this is really hard. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I've been, I'm, I've been arguing, well, not arguing, but trying to make sure that this is what God wants me to say because it's kind of rough. But it's the truth. I didn't make things the way that they are, but let's just talk about the way that they are. It's kind of backwards. You got kids coming first. And both sides are making it optional for men to stay and raise their kids. Both sides. There's people that want kids without a man, and they don't even have a child first, and they think it's okay. Like, co-parenting is an is, is a optional thing. And that's not what God said. Who, what, what? I'm going to get to some scriptures in a minute. Just trying to lay this foundation clearly. Okay, it is a fact. The National Vital Statistics. It is a fact that 72.3 percent, and without having to do a whole bunch of math, let's just say 72 percent of all African American babies that are born are born to an unwed parent. 72 percent. That's three out of four. And then you figure. Almost more than half, but at least half of the marriages that happen are ending in divorce. So you cut the remaining 28% in half, 14% of African-American babies have a father in the home. Now, that's not even good or bad. That's just one is there. 14 out of 100. So where's the father at? When these little hard-headed boys get about eight, nine, I mean, my little nephews, you know, three, four, but let's say eight, nine, and 10, when they get to school and their friends acting crazy, so they want to come home and act crazy, but the father ain't there to straighten them out. It's hard for a woman to straighten out a child, a young boy. That's not her job. She wasn't created to do that. So she's doing the best that she can by herself. But that's not as effective as it could be if the father was there to say, hey, this is your mother. This is my woman. You don't talk to her like that. Or I'm going to crack you in your head. Well, that's what my dad said and did. And I didn't even know how to press charges. I'd have still been too scared to do it. But he did it. Matter of fact, y'all call the police. My dad beat the snot out of me a lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I got witnesses and proof, and still, it, it probably still wouldn't hold up in court. They were like, you needed it. 14%. <sighs> All right, now let's look at the scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. 
First Timothy chapter five, verse eight. As Dr. Scott says, what's the best book in the Bible? The table of contents. So it says, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. I didn't write that. It's been in this Bible for about 2,000 years. If any provide not for his own, and especially, that's almost urban, especially, and especially, especially for those of his own house. So, and come on, y'all. Come on, come on. Let's be honest. Child support really ain't even enough. It, it, it ain't. It, it, it takes way more to raise a child than money. So all these cats running around here today, it's me, I paid my child support, da, 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 da. Come on. Who's staying up at night with their baby? Who driving the baby to the hospital? Who going to get the medicine? Who got to go to work? Come on now. So you, and, and then, come on now, all right. So you're not providing a house, you're not providing a car, and instruction. That means you denied the faith. That almost means you ain't saved. So that means to me, God holds fatherhood extremely important. And we haven't been talking about it. I mean, it's a lot of preachers who ain't raised their own kids. That might be one of the reasons. I don't know. But I didn't write it. So that's just how things are and how we got to deal with them the way that they are. You know, um, I, I, I try to say this a lot really to myself, but I'm going to share it with you. Everything that's happened from this point back, we can't do nothing about it. It's in the books. It's done. It's happened. It's over with. We can't go back and change it. I mean, yeah, I, I would change a lot of stuff. Most of it, except for me and my wife. But the rest of it, you know. You know. <sighs> so we just have to deal with it from where we are now and moving forward. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. Father or not, what you doing? All right, so let's take a quick, brief look at 1 Samuel chapter 30. And instead of reading this whole thing word for word, because I'm going to get, you know, if I try to read it, um, I'm going to get stuck and then go way off on something totally, you know, my wife is here. She's she going to say, really back, really back. <laughs> I got the mic, so I'll make it up later. <laughs> All right. First Samuel chapter 30. Um, so. David and his men are out on the road fighting, doing what it was God called them and told them to do. And so they out fighting, doing their thing, da, 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 you know, 
they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. These are the good guys. In God's plan, in God's purpose, doing what they're supposed to be doing. Then they come home and the camp is burned. And their women and children are gone. So for all intents and purposes, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, but they look up and their women and their children are separated from them. We have a culture and a generation now where our women and our children are separated from their fathers. That is bad. Now, these are the good guys. And we're not going to split hairs who left first, why they left, what happened. But they're separated. In this particular case, they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. And their business, their camp, their home was burned down. And their wives and kids were kidnapped. And the first thing David said was, let me pray. If anything ever happened to my family, y'all better hope I pray first. <laughs> y'all pray for me to be praying first. Because I'm going to the safe, I'm going to open it, load up the truck, call a couple of my crazy friends, and I'm rolling. But thank God, David prayed. Let's pull up to verse 7. And David said to Abiathar, he was rolling with a priest. He had a priest in his company, in his business, who was Ahimelech's son. I pray thee, bring me the ephod, which is his prayer cloth robe. And he did it. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? Now, a lot of things happen in life that we think is a given. This happened, I should definitely do this. I ain't even got to ask God about it. That's not always the case. Every decision we make, we need to go to God first. Small and big. I know we think we smart. I know we think we got it all together. But if you don't like me, I've made some bad decisions. It looked obvious at the time, but I've made some bad decisions and messed some stuff up. So I try to go to God every single time, small and big. And some things are not worth pursuing. But you got to get that from God. You can't make that decision without prayer and having a relationship with God. So we all got to check and, 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 and keep at the forefront of our lives and our minds prayer and our relationship with God. That's a consistent thing which should happen First thing in the morning, every day. Because when you wake up and you start doing stuff, you wake up and you grab your phone first, you're already off. And God doesn't like that. You know, um, 
I'm going to use Brother Gerald for an example. You, you, you know, no, I'm going to use me. I love my wife. I provide for my wife. I give her most of the stuff that she wants. <laughs> the majority of it. But if she wake up, get dressed, and leave the house without kissing me, saying hi, loving on me, I'm going to be upset. Can I say pissed? Okay. I'm going to be extremely upset. Because I love her. I believe I'm taking good care of her. And she's going to get up and leave without acknowledging me? But how do you think God feels? He gave you the bed. He gave you the house. He gave you the air conditioning, the heat, the food, the clothes, the ride. And you're not going to acknowledge him? But then you want him to help you, bless you, talk to you, heal you, provide for you, protect you. And you ain't even saying hi in the morning? His name is Jealous. He said, you should have no other guys before me, none. As much as I love my wife, God is my God first. And then he sent me to her, you know. That ain't even where I'm supposed to be at. Where we at? Oh, we ain't even finished the verse. Come on, y'all. All right. So David went, went to God and said, should I go handle my business? And, and he said one word, pursue. Kenneth Copeland, one word from God to change your whole life. He said, pursue for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So a word to the fathers. If you separated from your family, your women and your kids, go to God first and get marching orders. It's up to him to tell you which situation is going to be better. But you got to go to him first. You got to have a relationship to him first. And then if you don't, go to your spiritual father, the reverend doctor. He knows what he's talking about. He's been at it for a minute or two. He'll give you some good leadership, but you got to take it. Whether you want it or not. If it's from God, what you going to tell God that he's wrong? So... Let's skip down, because what happened was when God told him to pursue on his way, they found a guy who was with the other company, but he got sick and they left him behind. So David ran up on him, say, you know, why are you out here in the woods by yourself? And so the guy was like, look, man, he didn't know that that's where David was from. He said, yeah, man, we just went and we burnt this. Uh, camp down, we stole their women and kids, but I fell sick and they kept on going. They left me to die. And David said, oh man, that's horrible, man. Y'all feed him. Y'all give him a blanket. And he said, so where they at? <laughs> and he said, well, because he probably started figuring like, oh, I think I know who this is. You know. And he said, well, if you promise that you ain't going to kill me, you ain't going to harm me, and you ain't going to give me back to them, I'll take you to him. He said, man, you ain't got nothing to worry about. Let's roll. 
Because God said, pursue and you shall overtake them and recover everything, all. Uh, verse 17. Well, let's start at verse 16. And when he had brought them down, the guy who was sick, um, he had brought David and his men down. And behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing, because the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of, out of, the, land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And just like God said, just like God said in verse 17, and David smote them from the twilight even until the evening of the next day. That's a long beat down. But they had it coming. You know, you take something from somebody else that they love. So they had a 24-hour beatdown, and they escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men who rode upon camels and fled. And verse 18, the promise of God, and David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. Hallelujah. So we have to get marching orders from God first before we react to any situation. Now, let's turn to uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 45. Now, mind you, these guys were out doing what God put them in place to do. They were living their calling. They were in their purpose. So anything or anyone less than that recognize that these were definitely in God's purpose and plan. They weren't doing anything wrong. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. They were following all the rules, paying all the tithes and taxes and so forth. And that happened to them in the middle of the living. In uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, that ye may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he maketh the sun to rise on evil and on the good, and sendeth the rain on the just and the unjust. Sometimes bad things happen. Life is not, is not fair. You know, doing the right thing might not always yield you the right result or the result that you feel that you deserve. You've been doing good at work all this time, then they hired a new person, and then they your boss. And you're like, whoa, what? And you want me to train them? <laughs> yeah, I made decisions on that without going to God first. I ain't had no job either. <laughs> So bad things happen to good people. Stuff just happens, you know. And a man, not just a male, 
But a man accepts responsibility for whatever happens. Whatever situation he's in, he just makes the best out of it. And when something bad happens, he don't whine and cry, run into his mama. He goes to God. Help me, Lord, through this. And God will say, pursue. Recover what's yours. But this is what you got to do. Or he'll say, go a different direction. So the rain falls on the just and the unjust, and life just ain't fair a lot of times. Uh, the book of Psalm, let's go to the book of Psalm. Psalm number 68. It wasn't both verses, but uh, five and six. Stanza five. And stanza six. Oh, here we go. God is a father to the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. God set up the solitary in families. He brings us. Okay, let's go to six. Oh, well, this is wrong. Well, anyway, he's a father to the fatherless. Now, the translation is orphans. Here, he's a father to the orphans. So, if your father's dead to you, or if he is dead, if you don't have a father, he ain't around, God will be your father. And you can count on him to be your father. But you got to spend time with your father to get his instructions. You got to understand his voice and hear what it is he's saying to you. And the best person to teach you and guide you and coach you in that relationship is somebody who spends more time with him than you do. To me, that's what a good pastor is. Somebody who has experience and and can share with you biblical principles that will help you improve your life and your relationship with God. Now, if they ain't doing that, come here. I know Dr. Scott will do it. So, here's the wrap up. Man, that's record timing. All right, so let's, well, we're not finished yet. So, let's go to the book of Philippians, chapter three. Um, this is one of my favorite chapters. Because the reason why I say father or not, what are you doing, is because for all intents and purposes, I know I have and had a good father for my entire life. I still went to jail. I still sold drugs, still dropped out of college, Still was running around, still couldn't even get, keep a good job. I messed up a whole lot of stuff. Now, my mom said, you know, I was testing out the Bible and testing out God's plan. But I was just stupid. You know, I wish I knew what I knew now then. You know, I probably would have been like a billionaire by now. But six figures ain't that bad. But... 
I went to God to overcome my addiction, my bad addiction to alcohol and other drugs, to women, to a whole bunch of other stupid stuff. And I'm a miracle. I mean, only God could have broke that off of me. <laughs> you know, amen. But the, but the difference is, I was exposed to God from my father at a young age. And when I got older, I didn't depart from it. So then when I realized I was in trouble, because see, a lot of times we go through stuff, you know, drinking and smoking, right? We, cigarettes, all of the above. You know, we like to tell ourselves, oh, I can quit when I want to. I just don't want to. That's the biggest lie. That's the biggest lie. You know, and these people be talking about, I die for my kids. I love you to death. No, you don't, because you won't even quit. So you lying. You won't even keep a job to pay child support, which is the minimum, which ain't even acceptable, but you won't even do that. But you want to sit there and talk all this junk. No, you won't. I mean, just facts. It is what it is. Own it. You know, if y'all get mad at me, I ain't hard to find. <laughs> That's the other side. All right. Praise the Lord. <sighs> Let's go to Paul. Let's talk about Paul. That's just facts, so y'all. Come on. We need we we all need to do better. All of us. Every single one of us need to increase our relationship with God. Everybody is to blame. Forgiveness is absolutely mandatory. Before we go to Paul, let's just do this one thing. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, please. Before we go to Paul, before we go to Philippians, just hold your finger in there and flip over to Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. And there's a part in the Lord's Prayer that we that I want to point out right here, Matthew chapter six, verse twelve, and it says, "And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors." Okay, so it is the man's responsibility to be the head of his household. It is the man's responsibility to provide, protect, be the priest and the prophet to his family. And the difference between the priest and the prophet, the prophet represents God to his family and the priest represents his family to God. So that's the man's responsibility for his household and his family and provide and protect naturally. Not spiritually, that's up to God. Naturally, it's up to us. So if they get in your yard, Outside your window, in your house, obviously, the Lord wants you to get your AR-15 and stop them from harming your family. 
or your 45, the one in the cabinet, the one in the bathroom, the one up under the sink, the one in the... Because it's your job to protect your house. Amen. <laughs> Forgive. Ah. Forgive our debts. We did some stuff wrong. I have. But see, here's the issue, though. Forgiveness is important. We created those debts. So the same way you want somebody to clear your bad credit, you got to clear somebody else's. So our father may have not been the best or God's plan, but we still have to forgive him. Because you haven't been the perfect mother, daughter, sister, son, or brother, or uncle. It works both ways, male and female. Whether your father's there or not, there's still some forgiveness that needs to happen. It has to happen. Because if you don't, bitterness sets in, and you end up having a fight with your father hitting on your spouse or friends, or family, male or female. It's a lot of brothers out here with daddy issues, too. They got way too much to prove, way too much. And they think money compensates for it, or thinking it, or trying to show they got it. There's some forgiveness that needs to happen. It's mandatory. You can't ask God to forgive you when you holding on to stuff that other people did to you. Now, it's a valid claim that they did that. Oh, Lord, I want you to get them. Oh, I wish they was here to hear that. Da, 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 da. But what about you? What about that stuff that you did to other people? We're not perfect. So we got to let that go. You, they were wrong. It was bad. It shouldn't have happened. It was terrible. It was illegal. Whatever the case may be, it was a violation. It was We can't change it. So the best thing that we can do, the only thing that we really can do to move forward is to let it go. It ain't for them. It's for you. Because if your heart ain't right, how can God forgive you? You know, Every minute you spend in hatred towards somebody else is a minute that you've taken away from your future and what God can build in your life. Yeah, he got you pregnant and left. Stay focused. Get your life together. And God going to send you somebody that's going to take care of you and that baby. But if a man come and all you doing is talking about his father, he ain't going to want to stay. Or if you raising that child, you just like your daddy. You ain't going to be nothing. You ain't gonna blah, 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 blah. He ain't going to like you or men. I don't even want to say that. Good Lord. It's a lot of struggles that go on with, you know, a lot of men grow up around all these women 
and they decide, if, if all they hear is how bad men are, then they decide they don't want to be a man. God forbid, and that ain't right. A man should be a man. And look, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to put my, C.L. Scott said there is no such thing as a transgender person. That is a lie. Total lie. You can't change your sex. You can't undo what God did. All you are, somebody that had a whole bunch of surgeries and extremely confused playing dress up for the rest of your life. Ain't no such thing as transgender. No, I'm not acknowledging that. You better make a third bathroom because you come in my restaurant. Let me take my niece to the restroom and I see some dude going in there. We're going to have a problem. And let's go to court because I'm going to tell you, that's still a man. In extreme. Okay. So we got to forgive. We got to forgive. We got to forgive. We got to forgive. We got to do it. You have to do it. You got a right to. You have a right to hold on to it, and it was really wrong, but if you want to move on and be blessed and be in God, because see, here's the other part. This is something that I noticed. When you got money, it's going to make you more of what you already are. And God ain't going to bless you if you're going to be stupid. He don't bless mess. If you got some issues that's in the closet and you get some money, they're going to come out. Because you're going to be even more stupider than what you was then. So when, you know, you might have this stuff all together in your life. You know, and if you are bitter and hateful, you think God going to give you an extra 10 grand because you might wake up crazy and try to put a head out on somebody. So he ain't going to bless you with that. Okay. It's no other way around it. He's not going to bless you until we do certain things that he said that we have to do. And forgiveness is one of the hardest ones. But if you look at what you did, like we just saying, I'll never know. And I thank God out of the stuff I did in my life, I will never know what it costs to see my sins on that cross. And I'm glad about it. Because there's a whole lot of damage that you caused and you don't even know you caused, just living by how you lived. Because there was people looking at you because you said that you was a Christian, but then you went and did this, and they, and they still saw it. So you don't know what kind of damage you caused. So the best thing for us to do, Lord, please forgive me for all the stuff that I did and all that other stuff. I mean, shoot, if I try to keep a tab on all the bad stuff I, I did, you know, whew, thank God for the blood of Jesus. So he'll forgive us, but we have to forgive others, too. That's like, you know, you loan me $100, but then you came and said, man, I love you, brother. I'm just so that in your life, you ain't got to pay me back. But then I'm going to run up on Randy. Where that five at? 
See? And then I want to beat you all up, you know, because you ain't gave me the five, but he just forgave me of a hundred. It's the same principle, and that's in the Bible. Okay. So let's go to Philippians chapter three. Forgiveness, forgive. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to forgive. You got to forgive. I mean, really, you got to forgive. You got to let that go. All right. <clears throat> Finally, Salvation Temple. Rejoice in the Lord. Let's go down to verse 3. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though, verse 4, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath reasons for which he might trust in the flesh, I'm more. So basically what he's saying is, you know, even if you think they're too hot stuff and you can post your chest out, he, he's going to go through his resume and say, you know, if any, you know, you tell me if you can top this is what he's saying. Verse five, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. He had a good family background. He came up the right way. Of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee. He had a good degree. Um, all the men in his family were righteous. His generational background was righteous. They had a dynasty, 50 years, you know. Um, he had a PhD. That's what it looks like nowadays. He said, so if any of y'all think that y'all it, that would be me, you, you know, because I don't follow all the rules. And concerning zeal, in verse 6, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, he was blameless. Now, he's saying that after he changed his, after he has his experience. But concerning zeal, when he was on the wrong side, he was the top wrongest on the wrong side. So like, <laughs> like in court, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. But, you know, he, he wasn't just a, a drug dealer. He was a drug lord. He did it for real. He wasn't playing around. You know, that's as far as I'm going to go with that. Um, Come on, let's stay focused. Blameless. So he didn't, you know, he didn't have a record. He paid his taxes. He paid his tithes, you know. Um, but in verse 7, what things were gained to me, those I counted a loss for the anointing. Yea, Dallas, I count all things. So he's saying good and bad. He counts but a loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but refuse or dung that I may win Christ. So he's saying my family's name means nothing. 
My degree means nothing. My bank account, my credit score, my tax history, which are all perfect, I count them as nothing. So we all should count everything from this point on back, good or bad, as nothing. What those people did, what our father did or didn't do, good or bad, father or not, we all should count everything that has happened in our lives up to this point as nothing compared to the knowledge of the anointing of God. Our relationship with God is the most valuable thing that we have, could have, or should be focused on from this moment on to our entire future. Our relationship with Christ. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit. What it is that God has for us, what God is telling us to do, and the anointing, which is his power in us to do supernatural things here on this earth. And one of those things that we need his anointing and his power to do is to forgive. Continuously. Because we have reminders. You know, when you look at that child, it's going to rise up and you have to push it back down. When you see other people enjoying what it is that you feel like you should have, we need the anointing of God to push that down. Verse 9, and be found in him, the real us, God's perfect us. So he's saying, I'm counting all that stuff, good or bad, for the anointing of Christ so that I can find myself, my real me, what God has called me to be and do, because he can and will restore everything that was lost in the foolishness, which is our history, up until this point. Without fail, we will recover it all. And I thank God for it, because I know now, I'm, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I know I'm living a good life now. And I feel like he made up for the bad stuff that I did wrong. That's why I said, I mean, shoot, I mean, if I'd have got this earlier, it might have been better. Might have been worse. But it don't matter. It doesn't matter from that point until now because this is where I believe God has called me to be right here, right now. And it's a consistent thing. It's a daily thing. That's why we have to keep the Holy Spirit connect. We, we have to stay connected to the Holy Spirit. It's like the Internet or cellular phone service. If you ain't connected, you ain't getting nothing. You try to op open up a, a Web page with no signal. Ain't that going to come up? It's like, no, you need to get connected. So when challenges of life come up, if we're not connected to God, we're not going to have no power. And one of the things that distorts our signal is unforgiveness and other stuff. And be found in him, not having my own 
Righteousness. A picture of my own righteousness means I don't have to forgive them because what they did was so bad. That one I can hold on to, but I'll forgive all the rest of them. Or it's okay for me to do this thing because da 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 da, although I know it's illegal. So, for the word's sake and for everybody else, I'm going to tell you what um, Peter Daniel said. There's no right way to do the wrong thing. God ain't going to bless you with no cars. You can ride past somebody's house in it and spit out the window at them. He says no flesh is going to glory in my presence. So either we're going to give him all the glory or you ain't going to have none. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. If it's wrong spiritually, I won't do it. It may be legal to marry somebody of the same sex, but it ain't right. There's something wrong with that. There's something very wrong with that. And I don't care what you say. You know, people always got these old weird questions. Well, what if and what about the people that were born with da 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 That ain't you. I'm telling you, we can go for days. Through, all right, I got to start over. And be found with him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. It is wrong to live with somebody you're not married to. It is wrong to sleep with somebody that you're not married to. Which is a lot of reason why a whole bunch of people are having a whole bunch of problems because they wasn't married to the person that they had a baby by. So what you... So why are you expecting them to stay? They ain't got to stay. They got you on the shelf because you let them do it. So they can go do whatever they want to do while you're at home with the baby. You stuck with the baby. They can go out and do some more stupid foolishness. That should be illegal. In God's world, through his righteousness, it's illegal. I love y'all. I really do. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So when Christ becomes real to us and number one in our lives, we can bring those dead things that were in our lives back to life. <laughs> My credit was dead and it came back to life. <laughs> My bank account was dead and it came back to life. My body was dead and it came back to life. Whole lot of life. The Bible says, man, don't work. Don't eat. And I work a lot. That's a little bit of my own righteousness. I shouldn't be. It, it also says you got to glorify God in your body. All right, let's get past that. Okay. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, he suffered for us. So we don't have to. Some of us are choosing to suffer. And we don't even have to. Some of us are sitting in a cell and the gate and the, and the, and the jail door, the cell door is wide open. It's unlocked. Right. 
You don't have to be there. Get up and walk out. But it comes along with he ain't going to unlock the gate if you're not going to acknowledge him and love him and give him the glory. We have to have a relationship with, with him. So let's wrap it up with verse 13. Brother, I count myself to have apprehended. Not myself. Brother, I count myself not to have apprehended. I, I, there's nothing in my life that is of value, but there's one thing, and that is forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting and forgiving those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press, it's hard, but I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So, regardless of what your history is, only you decide what your future is going to be. And we can't blame nobody else. Amen? Amen. I hope that was a blessing. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so now, let's stand up on our feet and thank the Lord for his word. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for forgiving me for all of the sin that I know I've committed and the sin that I don't know I've committed. Thank you for your word. So, let's bow our heads. And there's some of us through this message. God spoke to us and pointed out some things in our hearts and said, you need to let that go. You need to forgive them, him, her. It can be multiple people. That thing that the enemy uses to rob you of your confidence. That thing that the enemy uses to try to convince you that you are not worth God's best. It's all a lie. God says that he will restore everything, years, that have been stolen and eaten. Whether we messed it up or not, whether it was somebody else's fault, whether it was our fault, and it's going to take him to help us forgive for that thing or those things and that person because we know we need forgiveness because we know there's not any of us that are perfect only Christ who is perfect so what we're going to do is ask him for forgiveness and restoration and then there may be some of us here who have never committed our lives to Christ some of us who have never been saved, who have never said, for some reasons, you know, I've heard people say that it, it, it was a preacher that hurt them, and that's why they're not going to ever be saved or join a church. That's not God's plan. 
That was that person who was wrong. But again, we have to forgive all, all our debts, as we forgive those who trespass against us. So if you have not been a child of God ever, you've not said the salvation prayer ever, and this is your first time while every head is bowed, and every eye is closed, if you've never been saved before, raise your hand. Okay, so we all been saved. Now, if you recognize that there are some people that we need to forgive and we recognize some old stuff in our hearts that God brought to our attention, that we need to let go and stop letting it def defeat us or bother us. Could have been a father, could have been a brother, could have been an uncle, could have been a mother, could have been a daughter, could have been a sister. If there's someone that we need to forgive, raise your hand. Hallelujah. I see those hands. You can put them down. Because this is between you and God. But you're just raising the hand out of recognition. Yes, that's me. And if you didn't raise your hand, and you know you should raise your hand, Go ahead and just slip it up right now, if you didn't, and you should. Let's just say this simple prayer. Lord, I forgive them as I ask you to forgive me. Help me with your Holy Spirit. Overcome it. And will you, as I know you will, Restore all that has been stolen or lost. And thank you, Father, for healing me daily. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Now, you got to remember that. You got to remember it. You might want to write it down. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, for forgiving those as we ask for forgiveness. All right. Thank you.